welcome everyone to Films of the Women in My Life. My name is Brennan. And joining me tonight is Jess. Buenas noches, because I'm filming this right before I go to Spain. Uh, boning up, as they say on the Spanish. Uh. And uh, Mama K is here. See. See. Tonight we are doing A Haunting in Venice. Back in the theaters for A Haunting in Venice. I had forgotten this was coming out this year or at all. It's you're like, oh, should I know what that is? I'm not. My answer is kind of maybe. It's the third Poirot movie directed and starring Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> Branagh. Oh, I, I didn't even know this was from the same person. I just thought we were making it kind of a category. You just thought they happened to. Ha- you just so I mean, we, you've watched the movie this. now, and you've seen Murder on the Orient. You didn't see the middle one, but you saw Murder on the Orient Express, the which you call Celebrities on a Train, right? We're, yeah. we're just jumping right into. We do our like Celebrities on a Train, here. yeah, yeah. First one is Celebrities on a Train, is what uh, very early movie pass movie, very early in our in our days. I think before we even recorded this stuff, and uh, and then there was the middle one, which was Death in the Nile, which I don't think you saw, and I know Nicole didn't see. <laughs> and then, then, then this one came out, and I had forgotten that they were like still making them at all. And yeah, they're they're all related to Poirot, who is well, okay. Do you want to explain to the audience who might not be familiar with Poirot what that is? Yeah, so uh, Hercule Poirot is a detective uh, from the Agatha Christie novels. She has two very famous detectives. One of one is him, and uh, one is the chick. Um, okay. and he is notorious. He's Belgian. People, um, mistake him for being French. And he likes things perfectly and simply. And he says that there are no real mysteries. All you have to do is think about everything. And his little gray cells in his brain will help him come to the right conclusion. And so now we're all caught up. And just, you did not realize. <laughs> Until this this time that they were, that they were actually related and not just like our joke related, or did uh, you realize? Yeah, I thought this whole time it was our joke <laughs> relating them. I didn't know they were actually related. So you thought it was coincidental? <laughs> it was the same. Maybe you didn't recognize same the actor, actor, perhaps. But it was the I, same. Honestly, he I looks thought this very was James distinct. Bond. I thought this was James Bond. Poirot is very distinct looking. Like, look at that man's face and and the way he talks and and his mustache. You're for me, crying out loud. I just, I'm surprised. I, I know that movie didn't excite us. It's not like a, a memorable film, but like that that look of Poirot. Like if if you, I know it's an audio medium, but people Google Poirot, you're like, oh, I've seen that guy before. That's that I've seen that face with that facial hair. I'm just a little surprised you didn't realize till just now. This is my favorite the, thing the so film. far about this this episode. The whole film you watched. Yeah. Just... <laughs> He's also this. the director. Uh, anyway, now retired and living in self-imposed exile in the world's most glamorous city, Poirot reluctantly attends a seance at a decaying, haunted palazzo. He soon gets thrust into a sinister world of shadows and secrets when one of the guests is murdered. This has a 6.8 on IMDb, a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes with the critics, and with the audience, if my mouse will scroll down slightly, it'll be a 77%. So even, pretty even across the board, um, close. So that, if you don't know, historically is high for the scores. The other two are like mid-60s, low-60s, I think. So 
critically more well received. Uh, money wise, not at all. It's uh, the I think the lowest budget at sixty mil adjusted for inflation, and uh, has made the least money so far. Uh, the first one made like three hundred and fifty mil, and the last one made I don't know a couple like hundred and fifty, and this one's uh, it's been out for a little bit, but I think it's chugging at what's it chugging along at. Under a hundred. Like it's been out that long, though, has it? I mean, as we're recording this, as we're recording this, I guess it's maybe it's been only a week. I I mean, so that's what is that? That's we're at thirty-seven million right now. So, give it time to generate. What are we looking at? These these films have declined in some popularity. Is what I'm saying. I mean, to the point where (laughs) Jess didn't even realize they were related to each other. So that tells you something. (laughs) If you haven't seen. Uh, what is this called? A Haunting in Venice. <laughs> if you haven't seen A Haunting in Venice, it's in theaters now. That's all the stuff you need to know, and we are going to spoil it here now. So this is a mystery film. If you don't know the Poirot mystery movies, he goes, he gets in a situation. There's a big cast of characters, and it's a whodunits. And uh, if you have, if you're a contemporary viewer of things, maybe you know the Ryan Johnson Glass Onion Knives Out movies. This is like before that, inspired, inspiring that the yesteryear, the Mama K times, uh, and the the characters we got going in here, other than Hercule Poirot, it's a who's who at a uh, what is this a mansion seance. You've got uh, a grieving mother and some kids and some weirdo housekeeper people and the the lady running the seance and uh, retired opera singers and just you got you got people you got the characters around the house. I don't want to name all of them because that's annoying. Um, <laughs> but it's it's who who done it in the in the house. The the difference I think in this one compared to the other ones is the this is all in kind of one. Oh no, the other ones are kind of one place. This is uh, horror. Not really though. Okay, this is all very much in one place, but this is also the only one that's even horror related at all. There's a few jumpy scares in here. There's mm-hmm. uh, you know, some ghostly stuff. The other two are mysteries and like thrillers, but in no way have any horror elements at all where this one uh dips its tail. Yeah, just a uh, few jump scares, that's it. A few. Yeah, and for the for the Jess standards, maybe they're low. But uh well maybe <laughs> we'll start there. Jess, what did you think of a haunting in Venice? Uh five being honest, which I'm always honest on this show, I guess. Um, I think that it's probably the same ranking as the first movie, Celebrities on the Train. So I know this one got arguably <laughs> higher ratings, but I I think that it was even Marginal. higher for what it's worth. I thought it was good, not great. Um, I liked how it looked. How it looked was really cool. It was just in a, like a really warm... Films like a really warm, I don't know what it's called, like cinematic feel, like all the colors are nice. The cinematography. Like yeah, cinematography. Um, I liked how the house looked. I mean, it looked really great, but I just didn't think that the plot was moving very well. And some of the characters were pretty flat, and I I wasn't really drawn to much of any of them. And I guess... Maybe it was a little bit more scarier. I, I'd probably be a little more um, inclined to it, but I thought it was just regular. I wasn't super, super crazy about it. Mm. All right, middle of the road for Jess, if not maybe a little lower than that. Mama Kay, Haunting in Venice? Yeah, so uh, when we first talked about doing this, the first thing I said was, what, it's going to be scary because it does have a horror effect to it, which is not... Um, that's not an Agatha Christie thing 
exactly. It's, you know, she is the thriller. She's the mystery. Um, so I was not excited about that piece um, happening at all. But I mm. felt like during the movie, uh, it was all spoiled. All of those kind of things felt spoiled by um, the previews that I had seen, by the trailers, because that's oh. where the jump scares were. That's where I knew that it was going to be um, more horror than I usually like. So, um, Which for so many would be bad, but for you. But for me, it's perfect. I mean, there might have been one that wasn't, you know, advertised. I'm not sure. Um, And some of it, some of the jump scare things were just uh, action related. They weren't really like creepy, scary stuff. And that kind of, that doesn't, that doesn't really bother me. No, it's the Um, foe jump scared, the loud bang, the cat on the windowsill, as they say. Yeah, that doesn't, I mean, it's not that. It's the, honestly, it's the creepy girl in the mirror. That does it every time. Oh, I know, I know you coming, don't like creepy girls. But I hate you creepy like girl creepy in the mirror girls. because <laughs> I grew up during the times of, you know, creepy girls in the mirror and it was really not good. Um, comparing this to the other two, the second one really was a challenging bomb for me. And um, because I really, really held close the original of, uh, Death on the Nile, and I think the second one, to, for so many reasons, the second one was really hard for me. Um, and then in this one, I think they're introducing a new character, a new, uh, you know, person who can hang out with Perot a little bit, and then they go a different way with it. So I wasn't terribly thrilled about that. Having said that, um, this is definitely a really different take. I think I think maybe just saw that too, as far as like cine- uh, in a cinematographic way, cinema. Why is that so hard, Jess? Why are we not saying the right words? <laughs> cinematography. You know the word cinematography. Yeah. In a Just cinematography shape your way, sentence around the word you know if you, have, if you don't, okay. if, you have, if you struggle with it's words. It's kind of, it's way, I'm way past that on this Monday. We're, we're um, way past that. We're way past that. Um, so there's, there's some different things in play, and I did notice uh, a few tricks and things that they did this way. So um, I just... Initially enjoyed it more than the second one. Probably didn't enjoy it as much as the first one, but talk me out of it. I don't know where I'm going to talk you to because I what I did is I by the end I have a take. I figured out what's what's wrong, what's good about them. Why every time one of these things comes out, I'm like on the way going to, and I'm like I'm like excited to see this. It's like yeah, bro, well, like it it's going like to be cool. an exciting kind of movie. Like it seems it like one seems that like the audience should... would really like to watch. Yeah, you're like, oh, it's a mystery, and like, oh, it's got like this one less people you've heard of, but it's got a still, it has a couple hanger honors yeah. that you know yeah. that you've heard of. It's not, it's not the first cast, but it's there, and and you're like, oh, like Kenneth Branagh's been making movies a very long time. Belf- Belfast, he just made, was up for an Oscar, so like he's still in the right. game, top of the game. So, and then every time I watch him, I'm watching, <laughs> I'm actually watching the thing, and I'm like, it looks good. They all look good, mm-hmm. and I'm, but I just like it's, it just is. Boring as hell, and not empty and like calories. The, it's empty just kind of. It's so, and I and I don't. And I, maybe I'll just cut in and start with what I think is the problem. It's the best parts of this, and I there were. I think this has the highest highs for me. Like the parts that I thought were going in this. There were times in this where like it was moving to the point where like this is what it could be if it were like this all the time, but it's not. But like oh, but maybe if it were like this, this would be good. And it's it's when he's experimenting with like the camera angles. I like when Poro's mm-hmm. going around halls and like looking for stuff, and like when he he's like upside down. Yeah, yeah. I just exper- just trying That's things new. that. 
I love the outside, like the. I know it's. I know it sounds like grasping at straws early, but it's not. Establishing shots. There is a lot of the, the rain and the building of the night and the making the place seem scarier. And then the play, the the that that foyer room. I love how he shoots that room when like the Poro's like in it and like a fisheye lens kind of far away, and then everyone's in like kind of weird far away positions. And it, it gets closer in on them. And I'm, these are all the stuff that I'm, like, liking and, like, it's stimulating to look at. But then the problem is when it's a Poirot movie and he's interrogating people and piecing story bits together. I just – maybe Kenneth Branagh is not the right director to direct Poirot movies because I like his direction. But I don't like his direction directing the parts that are necessary for a Poirot movie, which are – talking and interrogating suspects and like he's quippy and he and he's like getting the little things out of him i can see kenneth Branagh, the actor doing that very well but him as a director i feel like we need a like an Aaron sorkin kind of director a guy who knows how to film people talking a lot and make that stimulating because what's stimulating about poirot is him putting the pieces together and like uh, the, all the people are talking and watching him figuring it out and then the best part in my opinion of like old poirot movies are like the last 30 minutes when he explains the whole thing. It doesn't make, right. it's like, it's it's a, it's a throwback and it doesn't really like work in quotations in today's sense without, you know, tur- turning up a little camp charm. But like, I think that's the strength of Poirot, the, the, like the concept. And so Kenneth Branagh's strength as, as a director are like Belfast or like the Shakespeare movies that he used to make because they're visual and fun and big and explosive. But the Poirot, Poirot requires something different. And I want to, does that pass the sniff test to you guys? Because I am I think that might be the problem here. I think I figured it out. Yeah, I think we all kind of are in agreement with how we feel about the movie in general. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of opposition because I think that that's entirely true. I don't know whether it's Brana having, tr- having trouble directing himself. Or whether he's having trouble just directing himself as Poirot. Like, is what is I feel like the real he's problem? He's been in. I, uh, have you seen uh, any, like, um, what's uh, Much Ado About Nothing? I think he directed that. Yeah. I feel like there's stuff. I feel, like, I feel like I've seen him in stuff of his own where I can. It's not. I don't, I don't know if it's him and directing himself. Although I have heard he is a tough director to work for. And maybe. Yeah, but those, those yeah. other things are really more. I mean, not that this isn't an ensemble, you know, cast. But it's a Poirot movie with these people playing, you know, Much Ado About Nothing's definitely an ensemble cast. Um, and he's not, you know, front and center all the time. So I don't know if, I don't know if that's the issue, but I think, I mean, I think you might have nailed it is that when we saw uh, other Poirots like David Suchet do it, it's like you're waiting, you're spending the whole movie in this uh, suspense for that last 20 minutes of him, you know, unveiling the whole thing and i really feel like this one and maybe even the last one was just like uh i i was like kind of bummed at the end because it felt like a nothing burger like i i was really i didn't yeah you know even though the storyline follows the storyline of, of agatha christie novels it's like wh- why did this not land well and maybe part of it is due to the fact that the cinematography is so good and he's focused on that and <laughs> Daddy was laughing at the one point where it looked like 
he was like running through the castle sort of and he would have had a camera attached to him so it yeah like, you yeah know. i noted that that scene. and i'm like this is way too like modern for poirot you know what i mean it's like t- the cinematography is too far advanced for somebody who was born in like the 1880s or the 1870s it's like the, it feels too it, it's either not campy enough which it's not campy enough or it just doesn't feel realistic I do, yeah, I, I just don't think it's a marrying of the right thing. I think, I mean, it may be as simple as like Kenneth Branagh's, you know, later in his career, he has decent cachet and he knows people. So he wants to make Poro movies. He wants to be Poro. And I'm, I think he's a good Poro. I've always liked him in all these movies. And I think he's still a good part in it. But I, I think that maybe, maybe that wasn't getting pushed. So like, oh, if I, maybe I, then I'll direct it, like, because I'll direct it and I'll star in it. And I'm just that Adam uh, Sandler syndrome. Is that what you're saying? Well, the the problem, like the difference is Kenneth Branagh is like all about himself, like in the name of art, and also Kenneth Branagh. Where Adam Sandler, I don't know if Adam Sandler is as much in love with himself as he is, and much as love with his embezzling money for his buddies. But I don't want to do Adam <laughs> Sandler again. I don't want to do Adam <laughs> Sandler again. So uh, no, Kenneth Branagh. Uh, yeah, just who was your favorite like cast member besides who? Who did you? Who did you think you were gonna like, and who did you wind up liking, if anybody? So, like I said to Brennan, when I first was talking about seeing this movie, I was like, this is not even Celebrities on the Train, because I only recognize Tina Fey. So, <laughs> it, it was a bunch of nobodies. It's and Celebrity in a I didn't even really love Tina Fey. She just seemed so flat and regular. Nothing about her character mm. was really drawing. Like, I think she just could have been a nobody. It didn't, I, there was nothing really special about her. And there's not one character that I was extremely like on their side for rooting for i feel like they were all maybe maybe the kid was a little fun i was gonna say the kid yeah but everyone else it's not like they were extremely unique or i i really was on their side or i really was drawn one way or another one thing that i did thought was really weird was the two um what were they called like the two maids or the two servants like those two kids they shouldn't have, there's, it, they just played no part in the movie. And what really the ones got that were me helping conf- the seance lady? Yeah, and what really got me mm-hmm. confused was the girl was, like, extremely pretty. She looked like a porcelain doll. Like, she had, like, the perfect face, the perfect hair. And they had these really, like, profound, like, exquisite shots of her. Because, you know, like, it looks good with the way that the whole cinematography is. But mm-hmm. I thought she was going to be something bigger because they did try to draw attention to her with, again, like her looks and everything, but nothing really happened. And then the whole time she was basically saying that like, we're refugees, we're poor, we're traveling. And I'm like, you look so well off. Nothing about your appearance shows <laughs> that you had this, this hard life that you've been talking about. And they didn't even bring anything to the movie. So I think that both of them easily could have been forgotten and nothing would have changed in the movie at all. I have a problem. I mean, I don't really like almost anyone in almost all the Poirot movies, too. It's another problem. They're big ensemble casts, and, like, I don't I don't like, like, I'm trying to think of the last two movies, too. I don't really like most anybody. I like Emma McKay's character in the last one. She was, like, the bad guy. A spoiler <laughs> for Death of the Nile. Uh, but, uh, I like. I don't really like the performances a lot, and a lot of these. Even though these are like, I mean, I still recognize like Michelle Yeoh's in here. She recognized Michelle Yeoh. Come on, and Kelly uh, Riley. 
yeah, Kelly Riley, Jamie Dornan, I guess. And then yeah. some of the other actors are like international people, uh, like it's Italian, French, and maybe that's also part of, you know, this is Kenneth Branagh's side of Adam Sandler things. He's like, I'll I'll get international people in the seats, you know, because I'm Kenneth Branagh and I have I will get their peep the the big actors from their their countries. So that'll get an extra a couple of people in the seats. You know, he he could be he's cynical too, I suppose. Um did you guys know what was going? Well, one, did you know what who was going to who will have done it? And two, did yeah. did you care about this one? Because I did find myself enjoying more of the ride than actually caring about who done it. I was more like obs- observing the, the 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 movie stuff, like I said, than actually the story. Yeah, I didn't catch on to who did it. But there were some scenes that were so bad, or not not so bad, but so <laughs> obvious. It was it was just kind of annoying. Like when um, the boyfriend, I think it was a boyfriend, he he tasted the honey and he was like, "Oh, this isn't actually honey." I was like, "That's gonna come back." Or <laughs> there was a time where the mom put the doctor in the room and she was like, "This is a room where it's a safe box or a safe." noise or whatever you can't hear anything out of and i'm like that's right. gonna come back and there was <laughs> i remember there was one more thing that they said and i was like that's gonna come back and that's not me being clever like picking on the clues that's them being extremely obvious and it's just kind of annoying <laughs> I say, maybe maybe your movie watching just has actually gotten you to the point where I you know. are you I don't are think you me. have You've learned. You you're now you're yeah, like us. You're picking that you, up. You see it. You see all the the the, the strings. I'd yep. love to take responsibility for that, but I don't think it's me. I think it's just <laughs> how poor this movie is. No, not wires exposed. Not the puppet show, which I did. I like. mean, did the, you the guys pu- both show? see those pieces in the movie and think like that's going to come back, or like they that they really like put that out there? Yeah. The thing is, is that's, I mean, that's, that's an Agatha Christie novel. I mean, that's what it happens. And I find that the older versions of these movies, the acting was a lot more um, subtle and maybe polished where you didn't pick up those. But you're right, Jess, each one of these was like the whole time, the honey, I was like, oh, it's the honey, the honey's poison. It's and then when he. Yeah, and when he put it on his thumb and then he licked it, I'm like, oh my god, is he going to die too? But, you know, he didn't even get <laughs> sick, so that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, that was a problem for me. But, um, yeah, anytime anything like that happened, it was all uh, real telegraphed. And then when when I realized that Kelly Riley, the mom's character, was not telegraphing a bunch of stuff, I was like, oh, it's probably her. Because I don't know this storyline. It's from a book called that she did called Halloween. Um, but I don't know the storyline. So when, when her, when she didn't, you know, when, when she wasn't living up to everybody else's little like, Hey, but what about this? And, you know, the soundproof room and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, Oh, I don't know. Um, Munchhounders is what is called Munchhounders syndrome has been so popular in movies. I feel like so. When yeah, I think says you've said poisoned, that on another show we've done. Just Not recently, too long ago. yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think it was that recent. I can because I remember where I was sitting, and I haven't recorded in that seat in a in a bit. But it That's was a within weird the thing, last. But okay. Well, I'm just. I remember. <laughs> I remember. I I have the memory in my head, but I don't remember specifics except for where I was sitting. Like I kind of remember the seat, and it wasn't the one I'm currently sitting in. And I haven't recorded in that seat in probably like a year. So oh. that's probably when it was from. 
<laughs> more recent than that. I, maybe no, a I little know. bit more recent. I've been recording from this spot for me. That's not the... It doesn't um, the, the, <laughs> what was I going to say? I lost the... I dropped the thread there. I, I got I got, I got hung up on the seating arrangement. How things are telegraphed and whether or not the characters are working that way. I, I also don't really... Why did it, there was a lot of deaths in this one, and there's a lot of deaths. There was a lot of deaths in the last one. Um, yeah, I was trying to remember: murder on the Orient Express. I was starting to think: is that a thing in Ag- Agatha Christie? Every time there's three murders, the murder, and then another murder, and then the third murder. No, uh, like, in murder is that, on the is that Orient Express, common? it was only one. It was the bad guy that got murdered. Nobody right. else died in that. Um, and then in the original of um, the second one. Death on the Nile, it's only the two people, uh, it's only, you know, the the lovers that die. But in, you know, there's like a, a body, ca- at the end of this movie when they're putting the bodies in, you know, one of those, one of the little boats that goes down the, the Venetian canals, I'm like, you know, at what point, it's like all, all of these detectives, like Murder, She Wrote, when do you, you know, kick this woman out of your town in Maine? Because murder follows her everywhere. And, you know, at what point do you stop inviting Hercule Poirot to think to solve a murder when three more are going to happen? It's like, you know. They just did that in Glass Onion. That's what you always do. You invite the detective. I don't know who. There's always some weird invitation something. And, like, really, you're inviting the world's greatest detective to your murder event? This is Yeah, I'm opting out. (laughs) I I don't want to go to that. I don't want to go to that event. I'm I'm done. Even though it's in a very cool, you know, Venetian house and. I mean, well, 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 backstory to that that's weird. The the backstory to that that's weird too is like all the death that happened to the children in that house prior to, you know, this woman moving in and everything. It just seems so weird. And then there was there was also a underlying thing about the cost and money, and that never I didn't really understand that. Did either of you understand what was going on with that? Well, I I mean, I thought red herringy stuff with like the detaily detail stuff, but like. With like the the that's when they were leaning more into like the horror element of like contacting the dead kids and the seance part where like it's like half fake yeah. and he like figures it out immediately and then it's actually it, or is it or is is like that she's spinning around the chair and you got the Sam Raimi camera effects the yeah you know I, I don't uh, I don't I don't remember where you were going with that don't there. think about that too much no yeah. it, it didn't uh, it didn't. Uh, uh, way on the focus here. The Dutch angles, a lot of Dutch angles, a lot of fisheye le- lens. I said it was his most avant-garde of this trilogy. Notes here. The blocking is crazy. Yeah, I just made in the middle of the movie, I was just making notes. I was just like, this is just like crazily shot and like, I can't believe like 60-year-old or whatever he is, Kenneth Branagh, is like doing like doing like kind of like weird stuff that I haven't really seen him do before, but he's doing it in his third Poirot movie. Like do some like go make another like like I, I get I didn't I, I mean I was straight I didn't I didn't see Belfast. I'm sure it was very good, but it looked like homework, and I didn't want to. You do didn't see Poirot. Belfast? <laughs> no, it looked like homework, and I didn't want to do homework. All right, I have other things to watch. I have many things. Go watch so many it things. when you don't. Yeah, go watch it. It's not homework. Yeah, it looks it looks like homework. Look at it's it. It's really not. Look at the cover with the kid jumping and the and he's got a sword and it says Belfast and it's got a bunch of Academy Award okay, well, flowers. <laughs> I have to tell you that that's really not a big part of the movie. <laughs> but I'm surprised. I'm just surprised as all like that. He, I, I'm saying like 
at the end of this, you know, is Poro coming out of retirement at his old age? It feels like that's right. the end of every movie is he's about to come out of retirement. Is he always, is that in the books? He's about to retire every time. And then he's like, well, maybe one more case, actually. Because <laughs> I feel like that's been, shows up. I, I feel like that's been feeling. the end of all three movies. All three movies he was about to retire or he did retire or he was just going to retire. And now he's maybe not retiring. Well, he's all, well. If he's not retiring, he's going on a long vacation. Then all of a sudden, he gets the telegram that says, "But there's been a death on the Nile," which is totally false because nobody died before he got on that trip. So he needs to calm down about that. Um, what was I going to say about? Do I know we're dropping guys, tonight. Do you guys <laughs> like how they kind of ended it openly, where it's like, "Do ghosts exist?" or "Was it a closed case?" I thought I didn't like that. I kind of wish it was just a closed case and the ghosts were all explained. But they kind of left it open where, oh, there there is a ghost and it is haunted. I think it was just too tempted. It was too. It's too tempting to be. And I don't know what the original ending is. Maybe he's sticking with the original ending of it's the possible. source material. Well, again, not not a good reason. You can always adapt and change things. But uh, yeah, I like. I don't. I like Poro is like he's a man of like things must be explained. So there's no like he's a, a science minded gentleman. I think that's part of this whole thing too. Is he's supposed to have like a crisis of God, which doesn't come through. But like that's part of what I've read it is apparently what happened in this movie that I watched. Uh, I don't. So, yeah, no. I again, it doesn't come through. It's not like that's not no. what I would think of in this movie. I don't think of Poro having a crisis of, of faith. No, I mean he. I feel like Poro even accepted that maybe something is out there or something. I think that's true. a strange. He did, yeah. yeah, see a few ghosts, but I, I kind of wish they just dismissed the well, ghost thing saw, and, and they. Yeah, he saw ghosts because he took the tea that had the, the um. Yeah, but I thought they still kind of hinted like there actually were ghosts there. Well, at the very end, I thought was supposed to be the only time we're supposed to believe right. that maybe, like, it's like a wink at the camera moment where, like, yeah. you see the girl yeah. pull pull the mom towards the water and yeah. they're like, oh, right. maybe that one. All the others, I think we're supposed to believe, oh, the tea. If we choose, if we want to believe that, oh, it's the tea. Yeah. But yeah, there were definitely times where, like, he's talking straight up a girl in a room kind of thing. Or it's like, that's, that's some strong honey. Like, that's, that's good stuff. <laughs> I'd lay me, I'd me lay up in bed too. Feed me that shit. Um, yeah, I think that he takes he takes liberties. I think that was probably one of them. I don't get the feeling that an Agatha Christie novel ended on that note of you know whether or not ghosts exist. Um, he took liberty. She took. Uh, Brana took liberties in the first movie for sure, and the second movie, big ones. Um, and I think the biggest one in this one is the character of Tina Fey, Ariadne Oliver, is a good friend or if Poirot has friends, if we're supposed to believe he has friends, <laughs> um, a good friend. And she, she appears um, often and to have her like sort of, not sort of, but actually just betray him in this was, it was, that was actually gut riching for me only because I know her character is, is truly a, a friend and a, and a, um, well, that's probably a good decision then. That sounds like a cinematic choice. If if you know the source material, like if you're a fan of the material, you're like, oh wow, I didn't see that coming. Like it would I be like if someone so. took oh, a you feel t- like like it's an Easter egg. Well, like it's just a choice. Like if I if there was a property that I liked and they were making a movie about it, and there was a character I was interested in, and they did some sort of cool twisty thing that made them more memorable, I would like that. I think, or like did something like that with the character. Although then again, maybe I could get precious with it and be like, "That's my character. I don't. They would never betray Perot, so I don't want my pre- precious whatever Tina Fey character to 
to be to be wrong. You know how people get about their about their stuff. Yeah, but I think it's also it's a little bit more of like him saying, "Yeah, Poro is definitely just a lone wolf. Like he's not, you know, he doesn't have other people. I mean, he had I don't remember the guy's name, but he, you know, the guy they killed off in the second one, and oh know, yeah, was, the, and I then they had him. to give they had to give him another you know, person to confide in and to sort of help him solve things in this one. And that's, and choosing that character to do it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I love that. You think they're going to make more of these? I mean, it hasn't made money as of recording, but maybe I judged too prematurely. Maybe it'll eke out a profit. I don't know. I mean, we paid $18 because I don't know why, but we saw it in IMAX. What? It's an why did you say it's an IMAX? I didn't even I, know why was this, <laughs> it was an IMAX. I had no idea, but all of a sudden... There's nothing we, else in IMAX? We got tickets. Like, nothing bigger? Then, <laughs> no, there's nothing bigger playing. It was. We got I tickets, guess. and then I said, where are we? And then, you know, your dad said, this number, this... And I'm like, are we in the IMAX? Because that is... That's a big theater. And he's like, oh, I didn't even know. And so we're in the IMAX with one other couple. Oh my god! <laughs> that's pretty, yeah. For this, that's pretty sad. Well, yeah. it was Hurricane Saturday, so a lot of people didn't leave their house. But we'll you saw this an IMAX and a hurricane. That's nope. That's you and the yeah. other couple were the only people on the planet never did that. <laughs> Probably <laughs> should have got their number. It'd be cool though, like the <laughs> rain's building up outside as it's building up in the film on the Dutch angles. Yeah, so you I was thinking connected. about that too. Yeah, there you go. It was rainier inside the theater though than it was outside the theater. So I'll leave it on. I liked the little puppet show at the beginning with like the claw marks. That I loved the, the puppet show at the beginning. I was like, if I was a kid and I went to a place that like put on a production like that, and like that's just really cool. And then as an as an adult, even if I were in the room, I'd be like, wow, I really appreciate the crap. Like that's a that's a tough little stunt you pulled off there. That was very entertaining. I'm glad you did that. Yeah, pretty exceptional, but terrifying for a bunch of orphans. I think. Good puppet show, mid movie. Uh, that's, I guess, is the question. Do we recommend a haunting in Venice, Jess? I don't think I said one good thing about this movie. I think you probably <laughs> shit on it most of the time. However, I'm probably still going to recommend it. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think it was bad enough where I would say this is terrible. This is awful. I think it's more of. I was disappointed because this seems like a movie that could be good, but it's not. But it's not so bad you should not see it. So we'll give it a little recommend. <laughs> Classic. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Jess just because <laughs> I, I I am. I mean, and I'm and I'm I'm not too proud to say it. Um, I'm you know I'm a Poro fan, and you have to really really fuck it up in order for me to not see another one of these. So he's gonna put another one out. Or when he does, and I'll be like, oh, but the last one. But guess what? I'm going to go see it, and it might be an IMAX during a hurricane. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to recommend this. I would totally recommend <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to like, uh, I They suck. <laughs> I totally agree with just Every time I'm like, maybe this will be the good one. And then every right. time I'm like, um, it wasn't it's quite not. good, but it was okay sometimes. Uh, but I, I would, I'd, I'd give it another chance. Though I said it last time, I did it now. I'm like, uh, I liked a couple of scenes a lot, but I most of it was boring as hell. And but I would do it again. I think I'd do it again. <laughs> it just looks, it does look I nice. Well, okay, this is like this is the closest to understanding the. It looks, it's nice to look at. This is the closest right. I've ever understood to that. Is these these Kenneth Brada 
Murder yes. on the Express, these these because it's movies. lovely to look at, and you're like, oh, at one point in time, could I just travel on a train in 1920s where everything looks so opulent and wonderful? Yeah. I could not afford it then, but that's fine. It's 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 kind of wrong because it's basically like, yeah, it's it's, it's I think I I stand by with what I said, and I'll see if it holds true if he makes another one of these things. Like <laughs> interesting, cool filmmaking, good actor to play Poirot, but he's just. It just doesn't work telling a Poirot story. Poirot should have a very different storyteller. Um, so, <laughs> nonetheless, three recommends for Haunting in <laughs> That's Venice. Right. That's right. And go, go see it. We'll, yeah, I, have, I don't even care. I, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel. I don't even really feel bad about it. I'm like this again. It did. It, did it have work? Did they try? I think they did. And I wish it were better, but whatever. Uh, coming up, <laughs> we have. Um, Remind me. I saw a trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon. Maybe we can do another trailer so talk coming up sometime uh, and talk about some trailers that we saw. You didn't do that yep. with us, Jess, but would you be interested in doing that? Talk about some trailers? Because I have some trailers to talk about the stuff and there's there's things. Um, Sure, because watching trailers is only three minutes. That's right. That's why I figured you'd be <laughs> interested in that one. <laughs> if you have things to recommend to us, though, Films with the Women in My Life on Facebook, reach out to me on Instagram. I'm Brennan underscore pod host. And you can email the show, filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. Also on YouTube, just search the name of the show. I got to think of a better way to say that, but I haven't gotten it into my, integrated it into my spiel yet. All right. Thank you guys for being on for Death on, uh, uh, Haunting in, in Venice. <laughs> You're welcome. Have a good All vacation, right. Jess. Thank you. See you guys later. Until next time, this is Brennan signing off saying thanks for listening and enjoy your movies. Thanks for listening to Films with the Women in My Life. If you enjoyed being a listener in our life, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Keep up with the latest from the show on Instagram at Brennan underscore podhost, on Facebook at Films with the Women in My Life, and on Twitter at Films Women Pod. Finally, you can email the show with questions and suggestions at filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. Original music for the show was created by Ian Burke and Chris Iwanek. Original artwork created by Nicole D'Alessio. This show is produced by Brennan Snyder. Thank you again for listening and enjoy your movies.